tune and we're gonna party like it's episode 99. This is your Koblost who, um, whose parents did fornicate in Minnesota when <laughs> nine months later I was born. This is my case. <laughs> this is Koblost whose parents also fornicated in what Minnesota where then I was later born. Meg Trowbridge. Are you serious? <laughs> this is Kate Elston, who is very perplexed by <laughs> this turn of intro. Kate, where did your parents fornicate? Where did they know? <laughs> you guys. guys. Uh, um, welcome to Vicious Cycle. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> Meg, we are so similar. Yeah. <laughs> wow. What are the odds? Crazy. Um, it's episode 99. Next week is episode 100. Oh, oh my G. And wow. by the time you're hearing this, we have all we will have already recorded our 100th episode, but <gasps> curtain pulled to reveal the secrets back is that <laughs> right now we haven't yet recorded the 100th episode, right. but we're excited for but it. But it's nice. Yeah. It's very nice. It's very nice. Um this episode's great. We are talking to a renowned activist in the reproductive justice space. Her name's Susan Yano. She's going to tell us all about abortion pills. Yeah, abortion pills. Because, you know, what say you? Abortion pills? Is that the same as plan B? No, it is not. Go fuck yourself, Meg Hayes. (laughs) (laughs) It's absolutely not. No, I I know, I know, I know, I know. I'm also playing the role of... The Joker. The Joker. Um, You're both just too good at acting. (laughs) Both start crying. What? Me? Um... I, I wish I remember the the number of our episode because Kate did bleed search. Yes. Yeah. Talking about this. Yeah. So last ep- last season we did an episode about Plan B, which is the morning after pill, which is emergency contraception, which is not the abortion pill. Uh, emergency contraception and morning after pills famously stop ovulation from happening. So it's like a, a, a super concentrated version of birth control. Abortion pills induce miscarriages and that's what we're talking about today and fun fact about it's not just one pill there's no such thing as one abortion pill it's like dozens of pills that you take and susan will tell us all about it um yeah because terminating uh terminating pregnancies by use of pills already accounts for over half of all abortions (gasps) done through legal channels in the u.s and susan will tell us but that's just in clinics for all we know there could be for every legal a pill abortion in a Planned Parenthood clinic, there could be five that people do outside of clinics because they can get them in the mail. Yeah. We'll talk about it. Um, but yeah, so Susan Yeno is a longtime reproductive rights activist. She currently works with several organizations that seek to make abortions more accessible. She's also the spokesperson for SAS, which is an organization we talked about in last episode, Self-Managed Abortion, Safe and Supported. And SAS is a branch of the global advocacy group called Women Help Women. Um, So in this episode, she talks about misconceptions about abortion pills, the safety of abortion pills. Um, It's really fantastic. She's she's phenomenal. Um, We'll get into it. Fun fact about this, though, Meg Hayes couldn't be with us for this interview because we did it like smack dab in the middle of a work day when Meg is famously working as a teacher. With the children. Um, But Susan joined us on Zoom. And remember, her Zoom background was just a bunch of abortion pills. Yeah. Love. Yeah. So we'll put a screenshot maybe on our 
She's a badass. Insta. She's fantastic. Um, San Francisco native too. Yes. Old very, school. Talked about rare. like the very affordable Potrero Hill neighborhood she lived mm-hmm. in. I was like jealous. Sounds nice. Sounds nice, Susan. <laughs> Things have changed a bit. Um, but before that, I believe we have um embarrassingly yes some page some patreblons that we failed to call out some patreblons who may not have been called out when was their time <laughs> mm. it's kind of late for us and um our minds are not as sharp our minds are mush <laughs> um so apologies to these three patrons who joined us back in july i thought according to the date you were covered in last season but we had recorded episodes before you joined. Anywho, these are so delayed. I hope the quality of these ha- um, makes up for it. Yeah. What, what's the name of this? Uh, I hope the quality of these acrostics mm. make up for it. Mm. This one goes out to Rebecca. Mm. <clears throat> Remarkably engaging, yeah. but equally casual, cool, ambidextrous. Oh, <laughs> don't look at me like <laughs> Do we know if Rebecca is a lefty and a righty? I have no idea, but Meg! I have a feeling. Meg! Meg looked at me like, huh? <laughs> After the word ambidextrous yeah. out of nowhere? Yeah, that's right. I that's mean, right. look, I'll give it to you. I'll give Thank it to you. Thank you. Do you two want to write? Dying. I feel like I should have given that. Some of these are. No, you go. You yeah? Go. This is all you. Sorry, you have to read that again because the fucking ambidextrous came out of nowhere. Please, 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 please. <laughs> Remark. This is for Rebecca again. <laughs> Remarkably engaging, but equally casual. Cool. Ambidextrous. Out of nowhere. <laughs> question mark. Question mark. Exclamation. <laughs> Out of nowhere. It's like you're talking to her at a cocktail party, and you're yes. like, "Oh, Rebecca, she's super cool, she's so super cool. chill." And someone's like, "Do you know she's ambidextrous? What? You yeah. mean she golf's left-handed but plays <laughs> lacrosse right-handed? Rebecca, get over here." <laughs> She does cartwheels with her right hand bleeding, but she skateboards with her left foot. Ambi. Okay. This next one goes to Malika, unless it's Malika. Um, In which case, this does not go out to you. (laughs) Oh, no. It goes to you in every way. Mercy. No. (laughs) Angelic, likable, and knowable alleys. Wait, alleys or allies? Allies. Allies. Knowable alleys. Like she's in an alley? Yeah. She frequents alleys? What are you saying about Malika? You are? I think we need to revoke the acrostic. I mean, I appreciated the mercy Mercy. like Uncle Uncle Jess. Yeah, exactly. Mercy. Mercy. She's angelic, likable, and knowable alleys. (laughs) You would go down an alley that you felt comfortable in, and there is Malika. I mean, look, what alleys are missing are the Malikas of the thank world. Thank you. That is true, Meg. Yes, Meg is, Meg is building a future, you know, a bright future. She's looking ahead. She's That's like, I do. you know what I want to see in alleys? Nice Malikas. She's yeah. like, have a great walk home. Great I just bleeder. want to say that the letter A has been a difficult one for you tonight. Ambidextrous <laughs> and alleys. <laughs> There's just so many A's in different names that I've, You've I don't, run out. I think I've already done Angelic. You've in done every year. A. I've done every A. <laughs> I've gone through the I've had like 10 A's. <laughs> we can't just be like, my, you're an asshole. Thanks for giving me that serious <laughs> money. <laughs> Major asshole. Like asshole. Um, Okay, and this one goes out to Maggie. 
There's an A in this one. Oh, boy. Oh boy. <laughs> it's going to blow your mind. Oh, no. <clears throat> Magnanimous and gorgeous. Gutsy intuitively. Gutsy intuitively. That's together. Okay, okay. E is for everything. <laughs> so <laughs> magnanimous, <laughs> magnanimous and gorgeous. Gutsy intuitively. Everything. Oh wow! You got the last letter of the word is, is <laughs> where we stumble. For me. <laughs> yeah, there's a couple things that where I tumble. <laughs> oh boy! Well, thank wow. you three what for, for what a ride. Thank you so much for your support. Honestly, Truly. it means so much. Yeah, Patra Blondes, we love you. We love you. Um, I love that name, Patra Blondes. Yeah, yeah. We we've landed with, on that. We came yep. up with that drunkenly at some. Okay, episode. Yep. Yeah. I love it. Yeah. And we're sticking with it. We're sticking to it because it, it kind of sounds drunk like you're robots, and I'm into it. Ooh, yes. Pedro Blondes. <laughs> I think we have a phone call. Should we play that? Is no. it another one from Meg Hayes? <laughs> I just realized I said the end of the mic. Shut the fuck up, like, Meg Trowbridge. Sounds like so once we're menacing. off, I'm just like, you're jet mate. I'll kill you. Bring my car around. <laughs> phone call. Here we go. Hi, Vicious Cycle Ladies. Um, my name's Danielle. I'm calling... From, well, I'm actually on the road, but I'm from Pennsylvania, but I'm moving to Portland, Oregon um, to get my master's in public health, and I'm Ooh. actually going to go into mental health management, so I really enjoy um, your podcast a lot. Um, I wanted to share a story with you guys, so I'm going to tell the story about when I played ice hockey for like two years when I was in high school, and oh my goodness, so... I was not a very good hockey player. I started playing when I was like a junior in high school, um, only played for a year and a half. And basically, there was one game where um, we were just skating around and I had fallen, as I usually did. And like I felt something kind of like go up my, you know, vagina a little bit. And I was like, oh, that's kind of weird. Anyway, I skate back to the, the um, sidelines and I'm sitting. Um, sitting, but then I start to like stand up to like cheer on my team because even though I wasn't good, I was still supportive cheating. Um, and so we had these, we were wearing these white socks, and one of my teammates who was sitting behind me on the bench goes, Danielle, like, oh my gosh, your sock is like bright red. And I was like, what? Oh. And thinking back, like, I remember standing there and feeling like this warm liquid, like, uh. travel down my legs, but, like, I knew I wasn't peeing, like, it wasn't pee, right? So, anywho, my coaches start freaking out, and my my coaches were both male, uh. and so I start basically, have, like, to get off the bench, and, like, I'm on the side of the, um, of the hockey rink, and I'm, like, you know, you're, like, hockey, you have a lot of gear, so I'm, like, basically getting undressed in, like, I don't know, like, these little spandex, and there's just, like, blood just, like, exiting my body, and then, like, my coach is, like, starting to get uncomfortable, so he, like, walks away, but a nurse, like, that come over to help me, and I remember she, like, looked at me and was, like, are you sure it's not your period? And I'm, like, looking at her, like, what? Like, I had had my period for probably, like, I don't know, five, six years at that point, so I was, like, lady, like, I think I would have known, like, if this was my period. Also, like, period blood clots, like, you know, like, there's chunks. You know, chunks don't, like, come out of your body usually when you're bleeding. Anywho, so long story short, I'm taking an ambulance to the hospital because, like, they don't know where the bleeding is coming from. 
and my parents are both in the medical field. My dad's an ER doctor, so like we, we went to his ER, and then my mom's a nurse. She was there, so they're I'm in a hospital bed at this point, and like <laughs> they are basically like it was the most like just kind of humiliating and like uncomfortable scene. Like they are literally like like because there's no cut on my leg. Like there's there's oh. nothing in there. So then they start to like dig in my vagina. Like they are literally like hands in, like digging in there, like to like see like what's going on. And then they see this cut that was like maybe I want to say half an inch long. And they were like, oh, you might have to get stitches in my vagina. And the worst part of all of this is my mom is standing at the end of the bed with her head basically looking while they are digging in my vagina, guys. Like you can't make this stuff up. Um, I didn't end up getting stitches, thank goodness. But I remember when I was supposed to be doing a history paper that night, but, you know, I was in a hospital. I remember telling my friend, like, and I was so embarrassed. Like, I didn't want to tell anyone, like, oh, yeah, I got cut in my vagina. So I was just telling my friends, like, oh, yeah, I got a really bad cut. It's, like, really close to my, like, upper thigh, you know, because I didn't want to, like, because I also went to a Catholic school, and um, Catholic all-girls high school, actually. So I didn't want to, like, you know, show them, like, my upper leg, so I was like, yeah, like, I don't know, uh, yeah, I don't think you want to see it, blah, 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 <laughs> um, anyway, it is now a story that I tell very confidently, and it's just, like, a funny, funny story, but I just thought you guys would appreciate it, um, it's not period blood, but still bleeding out of the vagina. Wow! wow. A bleeding story out of the vagina that has nothing not to do period. with menstrual. Oh, what you might need stitches, stitches in your vagina. Oh my god, <laughs> your vagina. That was like one of the best stories we've ever heard. Okay, oh. So what? So what was it? Did yeah. you? Did she, she felt something ice? go up? Or I bet it was skate? a chunk of ice. Your skate. Oh. Oh. I mean, what? Do you know what it was? Like your your hockey puck, the puck I, it's, or the hockey stick, or the puck itself? Because <laughs> as she's talking about ice hockey, I immediately go back to Mighty Ducks. Uh, you guys, we got a Minnesotan in the house. Fly, <laughs> Man, fly the mighty bee, you know, the bee formation. But they are wearing thick, yes, like gear. So I wonder on what, your on your vaguna though. I mean, I don't, I don't know, because then the well, I don't know. There, there are like, many. There's like there's lots of layers, and there's pads. But I don't know how competitive this was. Was it intramural? Was it just were for funsies? You, was were you going commando? Sure, that day, right? Wow, that's incredible. Wow. But I wondered if it was a chunk of ice that somehow got in the poots. Or um, but ice in the poots? <laughs> I've never you heard can't anyone say, say pants. Now? Yeah. In the, wait, in the, but you what meant? Is, do you mean poots? What like, I liked is that it works for both. Oh, <laughs> I see. I like. <laughs> but I was gonna say in the pants, and then yeah, I said so the poots. Yeah, so what got up there and scratched you? Okay. Yeah. Please call back. It if could you have been. Yeah, you fell on your skate. Sorry, that hurts me. Ow. Um, Ow. thank you for that story. And also, <sighs> you know, you say. It was so embarrassing that your mom was at the end of the bed looking at your at your poons. But I would say, I would, as a mom now, I would say, and maybe I would feel this way before being a mom, like, that is the person you want looking at your poons. Yes, because sure. like it or not, that person cleaned your poons yeah. of the poop that you pooped. So upsetting. Um, they got uh, in your poons? The poop, the, the, the poons poop that I must <laughs> clean out of, of my daughter's vaguna. <laughs> We've all had a stroke. This all sounds normal to us. Um, 
No, truly though. Like I think about the things, you know, you feel so nervous, like looking back at when I was a kid, like, oh my mom, like I remember one time I spit in my mom's face by accident. We were talking. I have very vivid memory. We're at a Mexican restaurant. I was telling her a story, a butt, like, you know, a bean flew out and hit her in the face when I was telling her a story. And I was like 15. I was like, oh my God, mom, I'm so sorry. Oh, that's so gross. I'm so sorry. And she just goes, I have caught poop, your poop in my hands. This is fine. (laughs) We'll survive this. I have caught your poop <laughs> so i just guarantee you caller that when you're when you were like oh my god i can't believe my mom's looking at my vagina she's like the poop i have cleaned out of this thing oh my god <laughs> so don't you worry don't i you just the amount of hands in there when you already have a oh, cut. Yeah. oh yeah. my yeah. god the kegels the kegels that i'm doing that's roof do also i famously caught Kate's child's vomit. Yes, you <laughs> she was a big the vomit. She like was a big spitter up formula or something. Yeah. And oh yeah, when she was, yeah. she was yeah. yeah, she did. I think a lot of babies are, but yeah. she like would spit up so much. And yeah, one time Meg Hayes just caught it. <laughs> just caught it. We were out. We were outside too. There's I know, no need, no need. to catch it. That was just some teacher reflexes. I was like, got it. <laughs> <laughs> Thank All you, right. caller. Thank you. Truly one of my most favorite stories. Traumatic, traumatic, incredible. It's gotta be a. TV's show episode something yeah, absolutely a Grey's a Grey's episode <laughs> that would be a great Grey's episode get Queen Shonda on the line Shonda should we get into Susan yes Let's do it Susan 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 thank you so much for being with us on Vicious Cycle we're honored to talk to you and unpack all things abortion pills um before we start, you're a longtime activist. You have been in the world of reproductive justice for decades. Um, and I assume you remember a pre-Row world. So as we stare down a very likely reality of post-Row, how do you characterize this era? What do you just general thoughts about where we're at as a nation? So it's horrific that politicians and judges are positioned to take away our basic right to bodily autonomy, our basic right to control our bodies and our lives. But we're in a different era than the pre-Roe uh, people with unwanted pregnancies were. It, before, in 1973, if somebody wanted to end their pregnancy, they had to put themselves in the hands of somebody who might have been a very skilled practitioner, but might not be. Or they had to try putting sharp objects into their uterus, or try toxic, sub, toxic substances. And since the 1980s, when women in Brazil learned about, when misoprostol was registered for gastric ulcers, and it said right on the bottle, do not use it pregnant, could cause uterine contractions. And brilliant women said, oh, uterine contractions, eh? I know what that is. <laughs> and really started using misoprostol um, back in the 1980s. So, in 2000, misoprostol in combination with mifepristone was approved in the US, but the information from Brazil has trickled up uh, north and we now have abortion pills, which can be used with a clinician or without a clinician safely and effectively. They basically cause a miscarriage. There's no test of blood, of blood or urine for these tests, for these pills. And so if people use them in the mouth as uh, instructed, um, people can have more control over their bodies. And whatever politicians or judges uh, say about 
Um, the law, which will of course mean that clinics get shut down in many states, people will still have some excellent safe and effective options. So from what I understand, pills as of the last couple of years officially make up most of abortion of the abortions in the US. So uh, in clinic abortions, the abortion pills, mifepristone plus misoprostol, are only administered to 11 weeks. Yet they make up over 50% of the abortions in clinics. If you talk about abortions outside of clinics, I think it's important to put this in an international context. If one thinks of all the abortions that happen in clinics in Europe, North America, China, and India, for every abortion in a clinic, there's a thousand abortions outside the clinic in Africa, in Latin America, and here in the United States that don't get measured in those mm -hmm. statistics. And are those often, like when you, like your organization is called Self-Managed Abortion Safe and Supported, SASS. But when you talk about the self-managed abortion that you advocate for are medicated abortions, so the pills, right? Exactly. So SAS, uh, using the World Health Organization protocols, uh, shares information about how to use misoprostol alone or mifepristone plus misoprostol to end an unwanted pregnancy up to 12 weeks. There are other methods. Pe some people are using herbs. Some people are using unsafe methods like sharp objects and blows to the body. We are not talking about any of those methods. We are talking about these abortion pills, which have been more studied than almost any medicine on the planet and which the World Health Organization endorses. And by the way, the World Health Organization just issued guidelines last month that endorse self-managed abortion, abortion using these pills without a clinician. I think people would be really surprised to learn that abortion pills are, first of all, when I, I feel like when I say abortion pills, that feels like a phrase that the right wants to co-opt, right? It feels like I, yeah. is there a, I've, I've seen medication abortions, but like, Abortion pills shouldn't be a bad phrase, but it feels like when I say it, it is. Well, I don't think it's a bad phrase. I think it's a little bit unclear. Like sometimes for years, our movement talked about the abortion pill and there's no such thing. One can use one mifepristone plus four misoprostol or 12 misoprostol alone without the mifepristone. So it's a combination of pills. And I, I'm not going to let the other side take the language away from us. These are pills that cause an abortion. They cause a miscarriage. You know, that's what these pills do. And they are lifesavers because of that. Yeah. I think when, and I, go ahead, Mike. And I think something that like stood out to me when we were like researching this episode and getting ready to talk to you, like the fact that they're so heavily um, regulated or, you know, the FDA has really, you know, not made it easy. And yet it's safer than acetaminophen, exactly. you know, and Viagra. Yeah. and Viagra and penicillin. So these pills give us the control. So mm -hmm. obviously anti-abortion people don't like it, but let's be honest with all due respect to medical and nursing professionals, they are trained to be in control of the patient clinician interaction. This is about swallowing a pill. Mm -hmm. This is, this is how it works. One swallows the mifepristone and then if one's using the misoprostol with mifepristone puts four, 24 hours later, puts four misoprostol in the, what's called the buccal cavity, the space between the cheek and the jaw and lets it dissolve for 30 minutes. One does not need a clinician to do that. Yeah. And the only reason these pills are not over the counter or 
even better in dispensing machines like tampons are in every bathroom is because of their potential to change the abortion debate. So we have what we call a 4D model, you know, demystify these pills, demedicalize them, destigmatize them and decriminalize them because we should be learning about these pills as part of basic sex education. Just like we learn about how to handle menstruation, how to handle contraception, sexual pleasure, what is emergency contraception and what are abortion pills. The fact that uh, only between 20 and 30% of people in the United States know these pills exist, it speaks volumes. So not only are they overregulated within the medical uh, profession, but people don't even know about them. That seems so crazy to me that they're so, I mean, I don't know that I knew much about them really either. And I don't know if I can just chalk that up to living in a state where I would be able to access a a, a traditional, like whatever clinic abortion procedure. But that is so crazy to me that something so simple and safe and something you can do in the privacy of your own home with a friend holding your hand if you so wanted, it's so hard. It's People don't know about it or they're so regulated. Exactly. And it's politics, not medicine. These pills are so safe and so effective. Um, They were introduced into the United States, approved by the FDA in 2000. We're in 2022. In 22 years, there have been 19 deaths. That's such a small number. How ma- I mean, how many women have died from complications giving birth yeah, in that time? Safe, well, exactly. I mean, our maternal mortality rates are terrible. For women of color, they're even worse. And the other reality of these pills is that they cause a miscarriage. And miscarriage happens in 15 to 20% of all pregnancies, which, by the way, is a really important thing for people using these pills to know. Because if one does need to go to the doctor for whatever reason, and I want to say the chance of a complication is extremely rare and happens at the same rate as with a spontaneous miscarriage. Mm -hmm. If one goes to the doctor, one can say one's having a miscarriage. It's such a common part of reproductive health that doctors know how to treat. However, these pills are not legally safe. They're not, sorry, say that again. They're not not legally safe. And as we saw from the arrest of the young person, the young woman in Texas a couple of weeks ago, if someone should say they took the pills, they could be criminalized. Mm. And people have been arrested in over 20 states. So it's really important that people understand these are medically very safe, but people need to know what to say if they should need to seek medical care. In most cases, the vast majority of cases, people don't need any medical care, just like with a miscarriage. People don't need medical follow-up after a miscarriage. Our bodies know how to empty the contents of the uterus. They do it every month. So just in broad strokes, when someone does take these pills, I know it depends on what order or if you take both brands or just the one, um, but what can people expect? Great question, Kate. Great question. So um, the way to take the pills is either, as I said before, one mifepristone swallowed followed 24 hours later, dissolving the uh, four pills of misoprostol in the lower cheek and jaw. If one's using 12 misoprostol, one takes four pills, puts them under the tongue for 30 minutes. After they dissolve, swallow the remains, wait three hours, do it again until all 12 are used. Within an hour or so, misoprostol does cause some uh, not so pleasant side effects, including nausea, uh, slight fever and chills with a headache, 
some diarrhea. Uh, in the self-managed context, that can be reassuring. It means that the person got genuine misoprostol because it always causes some side effects. Um, those side effects go away within a, an hour or so. They, you know, as I said, they could, you know, there could be a slight fever. It's not comfortable. Um, within three to seven hours, uh, it happens a little faster if one uses methoprostol. Um, the person starts having uterine cramping, and then the bleeding starts. But there's a big range because our bodies are all different. And as you, if you talk to people who have such a range of experiences with their menstruation, right? Some people have very heavy bleeding and then it stops. Some people kind of go along for four or five days at a certain pace. So it's not totally, there's a range of when the cramping and bleeding will start. But once it starts, um, the products of conception will be expelled. For some people, it, for most people, the cramps get worse and worse. And then there's a large uh, contraction and a lot of the tissue comes out. For other people though, it can be a stop start experience over a longer period of time, all normal. Um, so the person need, does need to know to expect that the person should take anti-nausea medicine ahead of time. Morning sickness is very common. And if one vomits the pills, surprise, they don't work. Um, <laughs> so, you know, they also want to have ibuprofen on hand because the cramps are stronger than a menstruation, uh, heating pads also help. So they should expect, um, that they might need something to deal with the pain, uh, having a friend over and watching a good movie distraction, comfort, all of that is important. Um, they do, people do need to know that if they should start having very heavy bleeding, soaking more than two maxi pads an hour for more than two hours, that is sign of too much bleeding. It's very rare, mm -hmm. but if that happens, the person should get medical care. Um, and if after the procedure, they should have a vaginal discharge that smells bad or pain, or a fever, there could be an infection from some retained tissue. Again, the chances of that are exactly the same as with a spontaneous miscarriage. If they have a vaginal an infection, they should of course seek medical care. Other than that, people don't need to seek medical care. It's normal to have light bleeding for nine to 14 days afterwards as the uterus slowly and normally empties. Um, after the abortion, people need to understand that they can get pregnant again right away uh, these pills, have, like in a miscarriage, have no impact on the future fertility. Um, they should not use tampons because that increases the chance that some infection could get wicked up. And also it's harder to know how much they're bleeding with a tampon. They should definitely take a pregnancy test after a few weeks to make sure it worked. But most people can tell within 24 hours because the symptoms of pregnancy start to go away. Yeah. Um, so that's basically what people need to know. If people want more detailed information at our website, uh, abortionpillinfo.org, under spread the word, there are some wonderful videos made by Doctors Without Borders that break down how to use the pills into seven easy video lessons and people can really understand the process thoroughly. Also on our website are instructions for how to use the pills and information about how people in the US have found the pills. Um, I'm uh, curious because so uh, this is like some of the first I've heard about these specific abortion pills. So I'm I'm learning as I'm listening. Um, but I know so I talked about this early on in our podcast. But I had an ectopic pregnancy and so we had to treat it. And uh, I received something called methotrexate, which is like a cancer medication. Um, 
is do do you know if these pills are also used since it seems like it's an immediate no because these pills cause the uterus to contract mm. an ectopic oh, pregnancy right. is outside the uterus these pills will neither harm nor help an mm. ectopic pregnancy interesting um one yeah. thing i hope your listeners know is they do have an ectopic pregnancy is that methotrexate an injection exactly what you had is the standard of care unless they go to a catholic hospital in which case, because methotrexate can be used as an abortifacient, it used, before we had mifepristone, methotrexate was combined with misoprostol to have uh, a medication abortion. Um, what Catholic hospitals do is remove the entire tube. So they do an invasive procedure. They reduce a person's fertility by 50%. Right. Uh, Just because... Because, because otherwise, has has the history of being an abortifacient. Because it would be considered an abortion to use That's, methotrexate. Absurd. That's wild. Absurd. That's wild. No editorial comments here, just information. Sure. We'll, we'll give that. We'll give that for you, yeah. Susan. We're just going to pause <laughs> to scream into the void. And now we're we, back. <laughs> we comment on the Catholic Church a lot on this podcast. Yeah. <laughs> I try at SAS, we try to give information and not editorial advice. But um, uh, thank you for uh, <laughs> for lifting up the uh, craziness. That's that. insane. Yeah. <laughs> Okay, so thanks for explaining how the pill how the pills work and how I think it's so important to to reiterate that they induce a miscarriage. We've done episodes before on like plan B and when you think of I think again plan B politically socially kind of has a you know a what's a bad uh, reputation but when you think of plan B is like it just stops it pauses ovulation. Like it's just so nice to think about. So it's nice to think about abortion pills as like it induces an abortion. Um, and I appreciate you saying that. Miscarriage, yeah. Or sorry. Yes, thank you. So what I would like to say yeah. to people is imagine the uterus as a muscle. And during menstruation, it contracts to mm -hmm. push out what's inside. These pills, or and during a miscarriage, a spontaneous miscarriage, it starts to contract. Mm -hmm. These pills cause that those contractions. Yeah. Yeah. So now that we know sort of how these pills work, but we did talk about how they're really highly regulated, First of all, can some people take these pills in clinics? And is that how yes. most people do? I don't know about most because mm -hmm. we can't, I would guess there are as many people using these pills outside of clinics as in the clinic. Sure. If one goes to a clinic in the US, one would have mifepristone plus misoprostol. They, because it's a faster, slightly more effective protocol, um, clinics don't use the misoprostol alone mm -hmm. uh, method usually. There are also many telemedicine services that that developed during COVID, where people can get these pills in the mail in certain states, um, California being one of them. So when somebody comes to the clinic, because as you pointed out, Kate, many people don't know about these pills, but they're given they're given that information when they come to the clinic if they are uh, within the age the gestational age eligibility mm -hmm. up to eleven weeks. Some clinics only go to 10 weeks with the pills. They're told you have a choice of an aspiration abortion, which means the contents of the uterus will be sucked out by this machine very quick, or you can use these pills, which is a longer procedure, but you'd be able to do them at home. And it's your choice. 
Okay. So for people who might not live in a friendly state or whose politicians have tried to regulate the distribution of the pills, or I know there's certain states that put up as many roadblocks for receiving pills as they do for just getting to a clinic, or they try to regulate so much about obtaining an abortion. So for those people who live in those kind of states, how can any tips or tricks to how they can get like can can other people mail pills um to people in unfriendly states is that or is this information accessible for folks on your website so we don't have to so tell people people have to be really careful about how they answer that question because we know that uh for example in texas there's a bounty out for anybody who helps somebody else get an abortion right and we know that other states are copying that. We also know that people have been criminalized um, even if there isn't a bounty law. So what I can say is that we have gathered information about people, how people have obtained the pills based on news stories from the people who've been arrested. Mm. And what we know is that it is very easy to uh, get pills online. If one knows to Google abortion pills or mifepristone plus misoprostol, there are many, many, many vendors online who sell absolutely good pills for a range of $100 to $350. Misoprostol is a very interesting medicine. It was originally uh, registered for gastric ulcers. Mm. It's also used to treat gastric ulcers in dogs. It's used to treat arthritis in people. It's used to treat arthritis in dogs. It's used by pet breeders who want a given cat or dog or other animal to not have a given litter for whatever reason. It's used by people who have racehorses. If a mare gets pregnant and the race is coming up, uh, the, the horse is given misoprostol to end that pregnancy. Um, cattle breeders, dairy farmers uh, use these pills to end an unwanted pregnancy in animals. So misoprostol is available. It's also over the counter throughout Latin America as many medicines that are regulated here and only available with a prescription are. So misoprostol is widely available. It's cheap. It's very effective. It's, um, it's a very stable medicine. In other words, it doesn't need refrigeration. It, as long as it's not extreme heat or extreme cold, it lasts for a year. So it's used all over the world. In fact, um, it's widely registered in Africa because many births there are unattended and two misoprostol under the tongue within the first minute after an unattended birth reduce the chance of postpartum hemorrhage by 50%. Wow. Because it causes really? the uterus to contract, wow. right? Which, so these pill, I mean, misoprostol is a miracle drug yeah. for reproductive health. So what is it? I mean, it just, it seems so crazy to me that the very people who seem to want to limit the access to these pills are also the people, they're not like clamoring for other, you know, reproductive justice for women or people who give right. birth. Like it's, it's completely hypocritical. Well, it's just the whole debate in general. That's a generous term. <laughs> I mean, I think this is what we're really looking at in the current Supreme Court is a religious fundamentalist attempt to turn back the clock right. and to return people with uteruses to a role they had in many families many years ago, mm -hmm. where the role of women 
and female identified people is very different than the role that the three of us probably see for ourselves. Because we know that controlling if and when we have children is key to our careers, to our sense of autonomy and agency. And that's what's being controlled. So I don't think of it so much as as being hypocritical. I think of it as a very deliberate attempt informed by misogyny, Mm -hmm. patriarchy, and Christian fundamentalism to strip away our rights. Absolutely. It, it, uh, I found it interesting and I don't know what it means. Uh, cause I read, I'd read that, um, um, uh, Mizo, I think that's the street name for it. Um, we can also <laughs> say M&Ms like- cause it just makes them oh. sound so delicious. <sighs> Susan, thank you. <laughs> um, but you know, you can find them stacked in yeah, pharmacies in Mexico. Right. And so like that can be a way someone might try and get them in the U S. Um, but it's saying that they're over the counter and easily accessible in Latin America when maybe this is incorrect now, but I think of those as pretty Catholic countries, you know? So to me that there's like not as much regulation or like the church maybe doesn't have as a much a stronghold. Yeah. In like politics or they or don't something. know, or they don't know. Uh, I mean, yeah. look how few people in our country know about these pills. Right. So the fact that pharmacists have figured out that they can make money selling these pills, yeah, the pharmacists may not know how people are using them. Right. They're just for ulcers. People, well, I guess, and in many countries, they are they are a used. A lot of women for, have ulcers these days. <laughs> they're also used for arthritis. I also just think it's really funny to think about people using that. You said that people use these pills to like end a pregnancy of like a horse. So it's like the horse, by all means, you decide when you want to have that foal. But my wife, yeah. by no means is she going to, she is bound by her biology. Yeah. I've got money on that horse. This is very important to me. <laughs> I don't have money on my wife. So she's useless to me just for babies. Um, uh, I, but back to the Mexico thing. I know that Mexico recently, from, if I'm not mistaken, legalized or has decriminalized abortion. They decriminalized it, but abortion is only legal in seven in Mexico City and six okay. other Mexican states. Okay. So they have a patchwork just like we do. It's just that people can no longer be thrown in jail for it. Okay. I see. Okay. It does feel like a lot of the world is trending in a different direction when it comes to reproductive justice than the US. Yes. Ireland except recently. For countries like Eastern Europe and Russia, which are trending backwards as well. And right. mm-hmm. I think it's interesting where the right wing and religious fundamentalism is getting stronger. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Um, abortion is like the canary in the coal mine. Yeah. Really, yeah. It's terrifying. Um, so for people like, okay, can, should and can people stock up on abortion pills? in case they need it, like people are, are you know, um, advised to maybe stock up on plan B or other morning after pills? Great question. So uh, if one is ordering from the internet <clears throat> or buying misoprostol, however they're buying it, um, one can do that at any time, obviously. There are some interesting initiatives uh, to make advanced provision prescriptions mm-hmm. uh, in states that allow any any um, use of these pills at all um, to really to do exactly that because that would be great. 
So we, so we, if I were to call up my doctor now, I would have to have a prescription to do it. No. So methoprisone is not on prescription. Okay. It's dispensed. It's not in any pharmacy. That's how tightly regulated it is. It's easier for you to get opiates because those mm, are on prescription. Wow. Yeah, of course. Um, right. Of course. But, yeah. <laughs> so, um, but there is, so through telemedicine where the medicines are sent to people, there is some move in some states to okay. explore whether advanced provision could be. Okay. Because I, I just think like, you know, there's a lot of, like on Reddit, <clears throat> there's a, a, a subreddit called the Auntie Network and people are post- Oh my gosh, I'm I'm pregnant. I need help. I'm in Texas. I'm in Oklahoma. And I don't, you know, I don't know how like uh how that subreddit is like regulated, like if it's actually people giving good information or not, but I just know that there is this sort of like need and want of for people in progressive states to help other people. Um and I wonder if yeah, just like how feasible so it is to to send pills to a to someone in Arkansas. So I'm not going to suggest that anybody break the law. Mm -hmm. I think it is important, though, to know that there are three groups of feminists in Mexico who are sending pills across the border already. Mm. Um, you know, let's be honest. If Kate, if you send me a letter tomorrow, what, regardless of what's in it, it will arrive mm -hmm. regardless of what state I live in. Mm -hmm. Yeah. So it's I think it's, card. I mean, I, but I think the challenge, the real challenge is how to get information down to people that this option even exists. So right. yeah, you could send me a letter because you and I are in touch with each other, but I want you to imagine, and this is our challenge at SAS, a young person in Arkansas, in a rural area, not great internet access, never has heard of abortion pills. Mm -hmm. finds themselves pregnant, calls the clinic, which is now closed, so they just get a recording, and has no idea what to do next. Because they're not going to start looking for abortion pills or finding a friend in another state who could send them to them. They don't yet know they exist. That's right. our challenge at the moment. And that's why I hope, you know, this radio show that you're putting together or this podcast it's how do we reach the folks that aren't the usual suspects? Right. How do we reach that 70 to 80% of people who don't know these pills exist? Because once people know the pills exist, they'll figure out how to get them. And then I yeah. feel like it's it's almost like it's over for the anti-abortion folks. I mean, like like you said, it's it's really hard to regulate the male, right? Like, what are you going to well, do, open every package? I think the question is, what is over me? And what's the cost? So I think about that young woman who was arrested in Texas. Now, 48 hours, the district attorney called her to apologize and dropped all the charges. But her name and face is all over national media. And young people in Texas know somebody was arrested. They may not know the charges were dropped. Right. So it isn't, I mean, game over. There's going to be a lot of, um, what's it, collateral damage. Absolutely. There's going to be yeah. a lot of people who... Um, I don't think a lot of people get arrested because there's no test of blood or urine for these pills. And 25 arrests is a lot, but compared to the number of people that are using these pills, it's a drop in the bucket. But for those 25 people, it's pretty serious. They're looking mm -hmm. at felony charges. Mm -hmm. They're looking at murder charges. You know, they're looking at jail sentences seven to 40 years. Right. So it's not small. And then I think about the, my colleagues who run the clinic in Huntsville, Alabama, 
who've already had two women come in with lacerated uteruses because they tried, they didn't know about pills and they were desperate because they couldn't, they didn't have the money to go to, and it was very far to get to the clinic. And this while, uh, while the clinic is still open, they tried uh, using a sharp object. So we can talk about how that's not necessary anymore, but it presumes information gets down to where it's most needed. How else are people being creative about your organization and others about telling people about abortion pills? I think I saw a picture outside of what I think was like the Alabama Supreme Court or, or a, a, a you know law institution of some sort. Maybe it was the Capitol. And there was just a truck parked outside that said abortion pills. It didn't even exactly. say it just just all it said was abortion. It wasn't like come get them here. It was just like mm-hmm. Google it, you know. Yeah. So people are trying everything. Um, there's a group called Shout Your Abortion that actually swallowed abortion pills in front of the Supreme Court. Oh, uh, wow. You know, there is uh, Plan C, which has those vans and those uh, billboards are being put up. Um, we have found, we have distributed thousands of stickers in English and Spanish uh, in the Rio Grande Valley in Texas, for example. We are... Uh, we have a social media team. We are doing, if you go to our website, you will see that under spread the word, there are comics, there are videos, there are TikToks, there are anything we can think of as a way to spread the word. And there are several, there are many organizations doing this. It's not enough. We are a huge country with diverse media channels. And again, as a person who sits in Massachusetts and grew up in California, but works in the South, I'm very aware of the rural parts of our country where information is not so widely shared and where the internet isn't so isn't so available to everybody. So how do we get the word out to every corner? We have a big challenge. So that sounds like something then that, you know, I think I struggle with. It's like, what can I do to help? You know, I if I need an abortion, I, I can probably in San Francisco get one pretty easily or I'll, I can find information. So is that seems like something then that I can help do is just spread the word about pills. Spread the word. Um, one of the things that SAS does, we do have a social media team. We are always looking for more volunteers, particularly people who are willing to answer questions on Reddit and Quora and do TikToks, which really do reach different people. Um, we do information shares, which are a train the trainer model. So somebody who attends one of our trainings is equipped to share, fully share the information, not only about how the pills work, but how to share information in a legally safe way uh, with others. Mm-hmm. Um, there's so much people can do. Um, you know, dress it's- up as an abortion pill and go outside. Next time you get on an airplane, you know, put abortion <laughs> pills on your mask. You know, I love it. I mean, everyone should just change their Zoom background to abortion pills. Like, yes. Susan's a conversation right starter. Yeah. yeah. And I mean, like, you know, look at the, see the little pictures of the stomachs on the pills. I mean, it, it helps people. To, I know you probably thought those were elephants, but I these did, are think, the they were I did think they were elephants. <laughs> <laughs> They're registered for gastric ulcers. There you go. So, this is t- I mean, just these, a are, these are conversation starters. Yeah. I do like what you said, dress up as pills, though. It's like, yeah, you know, I don't own clothes that fit me anymore after this pandemic. So let me just wear a pill around <laughs> San Francisco. Done. The perfect Halloween costume. Yes. 
No, but it's it's about creativity, right? It's about, Mm -hmm. and it's about going beyond your circle of colleagues and friends probably know about abortion pills or could figure it out really quickly. What are ways to be visible to not the usual suspects? Yeah. And it seems just good to reiterate for anyone listening who's like, I want to be a part of this. I want to be an activist. Like, I think it's important that if you're going to go into a Reddit channel to not give advice, just give information. And to make sure you know what you're talking about. Yeah. (laughs) The amount of bad information out there. And again, these pills are really safe, but if they're not used correctly, they don't work. Right. Mm. They're not going to hurt anybody. But for example, if someone swallows the mifepristone and before the mifepristone has time to work, uses the four misoprostol like one hour later, it won't work. Mm. It won't work. Or, you know, takes all 12 misoprostol at the same time. Um, They'll have a lot of nausea, but it's not going to work. So it's also important that people really not jump on those. The first thing to do is visibility because anybody can do visibility. And then get some information. Go onto our website, learn about People can learn about these pills from the videos. They don't have to attend the training, but make sure it's really important to give accurate information. So can you talk a little bit about your trainings that you do? Sure, sure. They are two and a half hour to three hour trainings. They start with uh, giving the history of these pills and how they work. Basically what we talked about at the beginning of this program. Um, We then talk about the legal issues and how to share information without giving advice and how important that is because giving advice could be construed as a felony in certain states, whereas giving information that's on the World Health Organization website is totally legal so far. Um, I don't know where let's see what is. Let's see yeah. what Mississippi Fingers crossed. that. <laughs> yeah. Well, it isn't about Mississippi. I mean, this court is challenging some, I mean, they're listening, they're lo- re-looking at prayer, they're re-looking at voting rights, they're re-looking at affirmative action. I mean, they are uh, wiping away the pillars of the progress we've made over the last 50 years. So I don't know what they're going to do about free speech, but at this moment, it is totally legal under the First Amendment to share information about how a pill works. So um, the trainings go through that and spend a lot more time than I did on when you asked me, what should people expect? You know, more detail. So people really understand them. We, you know, really talk about that. We then break into groups and practice sharing information um, to make sure people understand, you know, who are the people who shouldn't use these pills? You know, what are those contraindications? All of that. And then we spend time making a plan for how people are going to share the information in their circles and communities. And I think one thing that I imagine is something that as a longtime reproductive rights advocate, you would say to people is there are so many institutions and frameworks for helping people access abortion. There's no need for people to start their own thing, right? Like get involved with people that have Mm. been in this fight for decades because just because Roe v. Wade has been the law since the 70s, almost 50 years, there have been people chipping away at it for decades. So there there are organizations that you can get involved in. You don't have to take this on on your own. Exactly. And a perfect example of that is just a few years after Roe v. Wade passed, the Hyde Amendment eliminated Medicaid funding for abortion for low-income folks. And since the 80s, there have been abortion funds. There are 77 abortion funds. There's one, there's 
several in every state join a fund. Mm. They are grounded in what is needed. They are grounded on what people's options are and aren't. And they have a long history um, of supporting people who need to get an abortion and can't get one. So what you said, Kate, is so important. Whatever's going to happen in June at the Supreme Court, there have been people who haven't had access for years all over the country. And there have been organizations set up to support them. And jumping in with something new is um, not helpful. Not helpful because it's reinventing the wheel at a time when we really need to be all rowing together. Yeah. And the wheel has been invented and has been perfected. So hop on that train. Just ride this wheel. (laughs) (laughs) Um, It's a shitty wheel that we have to have, but it's a wheel (laughs) that is doing its job. When I think about what's the silver lining of all this, I think about the demystifying and demedicalizing of these pills. My fantasy, vision, hope is that when the pendulum swings back, which it will, because we will not tolerate people dying in this country again from unsafe abortion. And what I think is going to happen is what we've seen happen in Ireland and Poland is that a person with a wanted pregnancy at 17 or 18 weeks, their membranes are going to rupture. And they're going to be in a state where the doctor can't help them. They'll be in the hospital and they will die in the hospital of sepsis because abortion is outlawed. And that will get people's attention. And that will, you know, the pendulum will swing back because people aren't going to tolerate middle-class folks with wanted pregnancies dying. They'll tell mm-hmm. our, this country will tolerate lots of young people, black and brown people dying. That, that doesn't matter. Mm-hmm. Uh, but people who want to have a baby, and die in the hospital because the doctor's hands are tied, that will wake people up. It did in Ireland and it's it's happening in Poland. So the silver lining will be when when things come back is that these pills will be deregulated. And these pills will be where they belong, which is in our medicine cabinets in case we need them. The rage I feel right now for people like Brett Kavanaugh and Amy Coney Barrett, I mean, uh, people who I imagine are going to to allow the Mississippi case to stand. Like it's so, what you said about like, yeah, when a white upper class mom dies, that's when they're gonna, like a a woman who already has kids, who's like in her 30s, it's just, it it makes me so mad. I really wanna like turn my dining room table over right now. My heart is pounding. I just wanna- It's enraging and I just wanna say, be aware that upholding the Mississippi case I hate to say it, it's a best case scenario because that's only a ban at 15 weeks. Mm. Mm. I don't think that's Amy Comey Barrett's agenda or Kavanaugh's agenda. No, right. So- um, That's just the first like chip. I don't mm. I don't know if it, I, 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 we in June, we may get the sledgehammer. I don't know what the decision's gonna be. I mean, they have, they pulled this case up because they wanted to rule on it, but they could right. have, you know, We've seen what they've done in Texas. Texas essentially has a ban after any cardiac activity. It's essentially a six-week or sooner ban. Yeah. So I wouldn't, I wouldn't put money on how they're going to rule. Um, these people have a judicial track rest record that's pretty frightening yeah. when it comes to any respect for bodily autonomy and for yeah. our rights. Except for his bodily autonomy. I mean, he's allowed sure. to get drunk in high school and party with his friends. Senator. <laughs> 
Susan, what is your preferred method of break? What do you prefer to break when you get mad? Do you have China in the corner? Do you squeeze, you know, Play-Doh? What are we working with here? Light bulb so bulbs. the true <laughs> confession, um, it, only, it doesn't work in the winter here because, you know, you're Californians, but here we have brutal winters. But once the spring starts, the snails start to come out. And each one gets named before I squash them. <laughs> Brett Kavanaugh, squish. Gorsuch, squish. I love Gorsh. that. I'm going to start. Oh, it's a very satisfying crunch. Oh, my gosh. Okay. So, you know, my last question was going to be just like in these dark times, like staring down the barrel of a world where abortion is no longer federally legal. How do we find hope? How can our listeners find hope? We can find hope from the fact that there are these organizations that have been working on the ground for years, helping people, and they will continue to help people. And we can find hope from the technology. These pills didn't exist 50 years ago. These pills have been used by millions and millions of people around the world. And here in the US, we just have to pay attention. These pills cannot be stopped. We can't stop cocaine and fentanyl from coming into this country right we can't stop They're, these pills cannot be stopped we just have to make sure they're in the hands of the people who need them these pills are ours they're our moral property they belong in our medicine cabinets and and in our purses and in whatever it is we use to share with our friends our our picnic baskets so um we can do this Susan, thank you so much for talking with us. This has been so enlightening, so enraging, but also hopeful and educational. Thank you so much for being on Vicious Cycle. This is a pleasure. And it was fun talking to you. And uh, go squish snails. Yeah. (laughs) Go squish snails. Go squish a snail, everybody. (laughs) Wow. Tough episode in a lot of ways. Sure. But... Love that message of hope from Susan yes. at the end. Yeah. Um, you know, let's just just for listeners, just as a recap, um, the SAS organization's website is abortionpillinfo.org, which is where they will send you to various other websites where you can get pills. Other resources for abortion pills are aid access as well as Plan C, which is at plancpills.org. Um, I think Susan mentions like basically just Google it. You'll find stuff. Um, but her website in particular, their website is just really good on just the resources and the information and it's encrypted, it's safe, it's it's secure. Um, they just seem to be like a really, really good resource. Yeah. And like Susan reiterated so many times, like it's just important that people know these pills exist. Yes. Mm-hmm. And so many people just That's the that's the battle. Once they yeah. know you can they can Google. You can't be stopped. Yeah. Yeah. Um, and that's the thing, it's like it that that's why it's so frustrating that all these lawmakers recently are now trying to set their sights on banning a, like certain mail in pills and like yeah. how are you gonna check every envelope, like whatever. Right. But it's like it's all about control. It's just mm-hmm. because they know that these pills are going to revolutionize mm-hmm. the yeah. way that women or people access abortion. Yeah. Also <sighs> a good reminder to not trust the cops. <laughs> Hey. <laughs> with like all the people that were in trouble for like the I'm trying to remember you guys talked about it the woman in Texas that was like arrested yeah. for yeah. yeah yeah just like don't just don't trust anyone but your friends and family yeah, yeah. <laughs> yeah. Uh, and well and like your doctor because it's protected under HIPAA right 
Yes. Law enforcement is not your doctor. Yeah. That's true. Yeah. Yeah. The thing that actually brought tears to my eyes, I remember when she was talking to us, was her prediction about how it, like, she was like, things will swing back. The The pendulum will swing back. But what it'll probably take is, like, the death of a, like, upper class Right. Woman with children. Right. Who, White woman with children. Who will yeah. perish because she can't access like a life-saving abortion. Because right. her doctor legally is can't. Or is scared to, yeah. to make that move. Right. Which is what happened in Ireland. Um, although that woman wasn't white. She was uh, an immigrant to Ireland, which I, or yeah. maybe not an immigrant, but not a, not a white Irish woman. Yeah. Um, but still, like that caused that country to re-examine mm-hmm. its, yeah. its position on things. And that's going to happen here and it's horrifying. And yeah. yeah. So thank you in advance to that woman who's going to yeah. die for our sins. Our yeah. <laughs> yeah. It's horrifying. Oh, it's bleak. It's bleak, bleeders. But there's people like Susan out there. Yeah. Susan who's... And there's people like us out there. Yeah. yeah. Like, you don't have to be... there's people like you at home who are also fired up. Yeah. I mean, Susan is a fantastic person. You don't, you don't have to be to the yeah. heights of Susan. You can literally, yeah. like, text a friend yes. and be like, did you know about abortion pills? Yes. You yeah. should tell people. That's revolutionary. That's yeah. it. Um, text your friends in red states. That's also, all you need to do. Uh, and I love her message of like, you don't have to start a new thing. Yes. Just yes. join a club. There yes. are clubs out there to get these pills yes. or to get this message out to women. Yeah. That's yes. reassuring. You yeah. know, it's like, we don't have to reinvent the wheel here. No. People, People have been doing it for a while. Yeah. yeah. Mm. And I don't want to like, <laughs> I don't know, overhype this, but we did say that we might try and write a song about pills. Mm. Mm. It may have been performed at our 100th episode live. may or may not be hearing so it you soon. may hear it next week stay tuned listeners and I, you might be able to guess what it is i think like, <laughs> i don't get a lot of we may have landed on it um Perry yeah. Styles, watermelon sugar <laughs> <laughs> performed at the two watermelon sugar pill <laughs> watermelon sugar pill <laughs> Um, but it itself. speaking of 100 episodes, that episode comes out next week. So <sighs> we hope you enjoy. It's going to be a, a, a Mod Podge romp through abortion yes. and other fun games that yes. we're going to be doing. Um, we're so excited. Um, this is all uh, assuming that none of us get COVID in the next couple of days. Right. And we don't cancel the live show. <laughs> Fingies crossed. Um, I don't think I can get it. So I would hold down that fort, baby. One person show. <laughs> Um, I would just do my solo show. Yeah, of course. About growing up in the suburbs of Minneapolis. About your parents forking. <laughs> oh my god! Um, suburbs of Minnetonka were hot that summer. Oh my god! <laughs> the lakes wow. were many, and the just the thinking lust was large, plentiful. Like, Meg, like our parents had sex like just a year apart, within like forty miles of each other. It's so crazy. Think about it. I was uh, like an infant. Maybe your parents saw me as an infant. They're like, They're oh, like, my God. We want that. Let's so make a baby. So maybe Meg Hayes was a twinkle in your eye. Oh, wow. <laughs> Shit. Oh, my God. We're going to call it there. Okay. Um, <laughs> fair enough. Thank you so much. Listen to our episode next week uh, live and um, tell all your friends about abortion pills. Yes. And in the meantime, keep calm. And And go go squish squish a snail. snail.
Our theme song was written by Meg Trowbridge and performed by The Go Ahead. Find them at thegoaheadmusic.com. And our Vicious Psycho logo was created by Katie Newman. Find her at katienewman.online.